thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, we turn uh, this evening to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now, those of you who weren't here and missed, uh, we covered chapter 4, 5, and 6 in our last study, a fair, uh, fair piece of ground. You know, it was three chapters, so it was a, a lot, but uh, I'm telling you, I had great spiritual indigestion all last week. I, I recontemplated and rethought through some of those things, and the Lord gave me time and time again opportunity to just share some of the things that we learned uh, in our last study and to uh, be able to just impart some of those things to others again and again throughout the last week. So for me, it was great. I enjoyed myself thoroughly, and uh, the Lord really spoke to my heart. So I, I hope uh, tonight we'll hear from the Lord in a special way again. I, I know we can be confident that He'll be ministering to us. In verse 1 of chapter 7, now remember, uh, David's been uh, engaged in some battles, and then he uh, realized, man, I want to bring the ark back, you know, so he went to move the ark. And remember, we talked about the significance of of moving the ark and not trying to copy the, the things or the ways of the world, but going about things the way God would have us to go about things. And good, man, just good stuff to think on, good stuff to contemplate and, and dwell on. So now uh, he brings the, finally gets the ark back. You remember there was a guy that died in the process, and David was pretty shook up about all of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, he's just so excited about the presence of the Lord coming, and he's just worshiping the Lord, just in a, just an open way, worshiping the Lord. And uh, unfortunately, that was a, a weak spot with uh, Saul. He just wasn't a worshiper, and uh, it was evident, you know, that he wasn't. And now his daughter, which was one of uh, David's wives, was starts to make fun of David and uh, really kind of mocks him, you know, for his, for his worship and his heart of worship and the way he was worshiping and all that. And it's just horrible. It's a tragic thing. And it's interesting that uh, then the, in verse 23 says, uh, Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children until the day of her death. Barrenness. And uh, we kind of touch base on how, how horrible that, that, that is, that um, this is... Uh, really David's bride, you know, and, uh, you know, David's a type of Jesus Christ, you know, as far as typology goes, and the bride, we certainly don't want the bride to be barren, but uh, because the bride is the church, the body of Christ, and we don't want that to set in, and a lot of times that happens when we just have a, a, a distorted perspective of, of worship, that, you know, worship is to be an open thing and, and to be between individuals and the Lord. And it's not about necessarily the music. It's not about anything. It's about just getting our hearts set on the things of God. That's where we left off. Let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 7. Now, it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. So entirely around him, man, he's just got peace now. Um, and the king said to Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. So they're still using the, the tabernacle of meeting. They're, they're still functioning in that kind of a gathering. And uh, the member ark was stuck there behind uh, uh, the big curtain uh, in the area of the, 
where the mercy seat was with the ark back in there. It was in the Holy of Holies. And David's just saying, gosh, you know, it's just kind of this temporary setup. And then Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. So he kind of spoke spontaneously because it sounds like, hey, man, that's, a, that's neat. You know, you're, you're concerned about, you know, the Lord's, the way things are set up for God. And, and uh, this gets kind of interesting as we kind of break this down and go through it. Uh, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. So this is a, this is a legit, thus saith the Lord. You know, this is, this is the real deal. Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, man, this is what the Lord said. Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? So, basically, God's just coming back now and basically kind of schooling Nathan for, you know, just jumping on this kind of rashly and just saying, oh, yeah, do all that's in your heart. That's a, that's a great idea. When really the Lord hadn't spoken to Nathan about that, he's affirming something that he hadn't really soaked in and really prayed through and thought about. And uh, I, I just think it's, I mean, I love that the Holy Spirit's really the author of the scriptures because it really portrays situations for the way they really happened, the way they really went down. Because if Nathan was writing this, he wouldn't say any of this stuff, you know? And if David was writing this, a lot of this wouldn't get said the way it was said, you know? But as the Holy Spirit writes this and moves through the different authors, we get the, the real deal of what goes on because God basically says, hey, I was, I'm, was content. I'm okay. I, if you go with me real quick, to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66 kind of gives us an insight a little bit. Thus says the Lord, verse 1 of, of Isaiah 66, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor, of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. This whole thing is, heaven is my throne. All of this, you look out, and all the stars, and the galaxies, and everything. I mean, this, that's just his throne. And the earth, just a little footstool. I mean, that's who God is. And it's a right perspective, I think, of who God is. When we step back and we see... Man, I think whenever you've got something really heavy going on in your life, something you're really trying to work through or something that you're just having trouble sorting out or whatever, when you go to pray, go read that verse and then pray. Because when you read that verse in, 60, in Isaiah 66, you get that right perspective of whom you're communicating with, who's giving you access to interact. And certainly the Lord is able to move on our behalf. He spoke the world into being. He's able. God is able. We have a God that is able to do for us, to care for us, to do those things and to, to minister and to take care of us just as he sees fit. God hears us. God knows it. And he says, that heaven is uh, uh, my throne and the earth is my footstool. 
So when you read verses 6 and 7 uh, of 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, and you see God's not, he's not asked for any of these things, he says. And basically, Nathan's, you know, wrong in this. He's, he's affirming something, and he's wrong about that. I, I didn't request that. I, I, don't, I don't need that. God is basically what God's saying. Now, therefore, thus, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. I think it's, uh, it's very paternal. You know, it's very parent-like. Basically, God's just saying, you know, just in a, a loving parent way, I, I know who you are. <laughs> you know, I know where you came from. I know what you're about. I know what you're capable of or not capable of. You know, God's just, it, it's a, a very clear acquaintance, and it's a statement of, of humility, that, hey, I, I, didn't I make you ruler over my people, Israel, but didn't you come from just caring for, for the sheep? You know, isn't, isn't that where this started? And I have been with you wherever you have gone. God says, you know what? There's not a place that you've been that I wasn't right there with you, David. Remember that? You know, David's, I bet, man, when he hears this for the first time, his mind's flashing on the times that, man, he was just alone. Saul was after him. Now, all of a sudden, he's got this band of men, and there's this big, bigger band of Saul's after him. And, you know, all the things. And think back. He's thinking back maybe when he was a, a, a kid, killing the bears, you know, with his little, you know, wrist rocket. No, with his, his uh, sling, you know, and, and, and just, boom. He's probably flashing all these things. Man, God, you were there with me when I wrote that first psalm, and I worshiped you out in the field with just the sheep, just you and me, God. Man, get those times and hang on to them. They're important for us. Man, that, that's, that's who we're hanging out with. And, and just enjoy this, this relationship. And, and this is what the Lord's just kind of reflecting. He says, hey, didn't I, you know, wasn't I with you in all these, wherever you've gone? And I've cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of, of the great men who are on the earth. He says, man, who exceeds who excels beyond you in, in, in what I've done through your life? You know, is there, is there anything that isn't awesome about all of this thing that I've done, you know? I mean, that's, God's just kind of reflecting and sharing with him. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And now he gets into this more of a messianic you know, prophecy, speaking of the household of David and that ultimately the Messiah would come through it. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, in verse 12, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So ultimately, he's talking about ultimately the person of Jesus Christ. And I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity or... When sin really, some of your more modern translations read it a little differently, but 
when sin is laid upon him, I will chasten him with the, the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So the Lord, again, I, I have to have you note something in this that's very important through this whole chapter and as we kind of go through this this evening. There's something really important that is, is, just keeps popping up and is noteworthy. As it has been all the way through with the people of God, we are to be, even to this day, a word-driven people. Not this image-driven which is what our, our, the world is driven by imagery. We're to be word-driven, and it's very different. And this is why I struggle a little bit, and I, I, just a little bit, okay, with too many bells and whistles going off all the time, okay? Now, I'm all for, you know, I understand about having, you know, different, we've got a modern technical world in which we live. I, I get it. But too much of that, can really detract from really being able to assimilate, take in the word and let it penetrate into our beings and become a part of our lives. That's what we're all beneficiaries of. That's what we're enjoying together is the, the living word taking root in our lives and bearing fruit to God's glory. It's, it's so important. We want to stay where we're supposed to be, and we always want to stay in that place of being a word-driven people, not an image-driven people. All that's the, that's the main difference between God's people always throughout all history, whether it was the nation Israel or it's the church, God's people are always to be a word-based, word-driven people. And throughout this, you see God spoke it, God speaks it, and it comes to pass. God's speaking and there to listen. God's speaking, there to do it. God's saying those things, obedience is what he expects. You see, the reason, the difference is, is image-driven is without relationship. Image-driven is without relationship. It's an iconic thing, or it's something that's just a visually stimulating thing, but it has really no deep substance. But the word is very different as it takes root in our lives. It has a different depth of impact on us. I understand the image stuff has impact, but it's negative impact in comparison to the word. And of all the people of the earth, this, this is one of the main significant differences is that we are to be word-driven, not image-driven. It's crazy when you look around how it's gotten more and more and more imagery. The world's gotten more and more, and it's more driven by all of that. And God just says, man, he doesn't want us to be that way. And here it is again. He's speaking, and they're to be listening He's speaking to us tonight. We're to be listening. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us something regarding this house that was to be built. Isaiah 9, beginning with verse 6. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again, God spoke it and God will do it. You know, I think even as believers, sometimes we can get detached from that, that God spoke it and he will do it. What God speaks, he will perform it. I believe it's also in Isaiah where he says, man, the Lord, um, when the Lord puts something in motion, who will reverse it? Who can reverse what God speaks and puts into motion? You know, because the Lord, man, he sends out his word and it comes back. It doesn't return void. It accomplishes always the purpose for which he sent it. And I think those things are just things you just want to hang on to. We're, we're to be a word-driven people. So Nathan hears all this, and he goes and shares this stuff with, with David. Again, absolutely no doubt. To be perfectly clear, we want to be clear on this. David's heart in this, I think, is totally pure and right. He's just thinking from the standpoint of, wow, man, I've got this cool place. Everything's great. And certainly there's a time to build the temple. Certainly there was a time coming for that. But that wasn't what God wanted from David. So he didn't want that from David. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further, some of the scriptures that support that. He didn't really want David to necessarily do that. But it doesn't mean that, and he never asked David to do that, but that doesn't mean that he didn't appreciate David's heart in that. And I think that's important for us sometimes. God will honor the heart in that, but it doesn't mean that the, the thing that we had in our heart is what we're supposed to do. God will honor the heart in that. And he may say, no, you just go do this or whatever. But the heart in it, God knows the heart. And I, I think that's great. And I think that's something to acknowledge here. Because as he shares this with him, he shares all these things with David. And David understood this in his heart and his mind, you know, this, this throne being established forever. And then King David went in and sat before the Lord. So he goes in and he just starts to hang out with God. He goes in and he said, he starts to talk to God. I, again, part of this, it's this dialogue that takes place. God's speaking through Nathan the prophet, speaking to David. David now is going to sit down and have a rap with God. He's going to talk with God. There's, 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 there's relationship. There's, there's interaction. It's not monologue. It's dialogue. Man, so important for us to stay engaged in the dialogue part making sure that we're hearing from the Lord. What David, what was on David's heart was a good thing, but it wasn't necessarily something that God wanted David to do. But, but God tells David all the good things and how he's, you know, they've given you rest from your enemies and, man, I've established you. I, I just took you out of the sheepfold. You, you know, you're nothing in and of yourself, but look at what I've done. And, you know, just good things. Then King David went in verse 18 and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? Who am I? He really reflected back on that. That's right. I'm just a little shepherd guy, man. 
like, oh, God help us, so important in our journey with the Lord to sit down and reflect, man, who am I, Lord, really? We, we get so involved and self-involved with whatever, who we might think we are, what we think we're doing, and how important all that is. And really, it's so great. Who am I, oh, Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Man, you have, basically, he's saying, God, from a thankful heart, he's just saying, God, you have radically, radically blessed me. He loves to hear from you. I'm telling you, our, our dad, dad loves to hear. He loves to hear a thankful heart. He loves to hear from you. And you express your appreciation, your gratitude for his goodness. This is what David's doing. He's just, he hears this from the Lord. That's right, man. Who am I, man? It wasn't that long ago. I'm running around out in the field with my goofy guys, and we're just running from Saul, you know? And now look at where we're at, and look what you've done. God, you're good to me. You've been right, just, and fair. And yet, this was a small thing in your sight. Oh, Lord God, I mean, the, his doing, it's just this is nothing. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O oh Lord God? This doesn't, he says, this is just too much, you know, this is overwhelming. Now, what more can David say to you? He's speaking first person, you know, he's saying, man, what more could I, as an individual person, express to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. You know, and there's just this moment here where he says, what more can David say to you? He actually hits a spot where he goes pretty silent. This is a guy who's written a bunch of psalms. This guy's very articulate, right? We know David to be, I mean, extremely articulate, very gifted in that way of being able to express himself. And in this situation, he just doesn't have words that could fully express. This is a response, and I, I think this is what's important. This is a response to God for his grace and his goodness that he's just expressed to David. Man, I've given you peace from all your enemies around you. I've done, you know, all this stuff that he kind of just lists off and David knows that in and of himself he's not deserving of any of that and God has been gracious giving him what he doesn't deserve you know God's been gracious to him and this is his response is man I don't know what to say This is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening again today. And we're just so thankful for those of you who tune in and, and uh, are getting something out of these messages from God's Word. And sometimes God really begins to tug on our hearts and He kind of calls us out for a response. And sometimes we want to go and work at something and, and kind of earn our way into things. But, you know, with God, it's just not that way. His Word says, for by grace, that's unmerited love and favor that's been shown to you. That's what that word grace means. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants you to walk in those good works that he's prepared for your life. He wants you to be a living testament of his goodness and his grace. And he doesn't want you to have to work at or earn salvation, but salvation is a free gift. It's by faith that you can have this everlasting life. Simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I want to ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want this free gift of everlasting life. I want to be forgiven. I'm tired of carrying this weight of sin and shame. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for that grace that you've shown me. I receive you now into my heart and ask, Lord, that as I walk this life, that you would walk with me and that I would walk in your ways and in the good works, those things that you prepared for me to walk in, that it might glorify you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.